Welcome, everybody, to the Country on Me podcast. I'm your host, Max Sheriff. Today, we have an awesome, awesome guest all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he is easily one of the best entertainers on Broadway. Crazy story, crazy backstory that no one else has, and uh, I am excited to have him on here. Um, everybody, please welcome Chris Schrader. <clears throat> Chris, how are you doing? Hey, Max, thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, you reaching out, asking me to come on and being a part of the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing great. Good, good. I um, obviously I've been to Broadway, um, been to Midtown, been to uh, all sorts of places. I've been to the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I saw you live a couple times. I, I've seen you at the Second Fiddle, seen you at Legends Corner. Um, and just the way that you reach the people in like an entertaining aspect. And obviously you're a great musician, great, you know, singer. And, um, I was like, I got to have this guy on cause it, you are one of the best entertainers I've seen on Broadway. I appreciate that. Um, I try not to suck. You know? <laughs> oh, you definitely, you definitely don't. You definitely don't. Um, so I guess we'll we'll kind of jump into it and uh, kind of talk about where you came from. You kind of your uh, where did you start off in uh, in life and uh, yeah. Um. Well, my name is Chris Schrader. I'm from a small town in Tennessee called Pulaski. <clears throat> it's about 60, 70, 65, 70 miles away from Nashville. It's located on Alabama-Tennessee state line. Um, I'm from a smaller community inside of a small town um, called uh, Bodenham. Um, there was a store down the street. Or no, we don't even have streets. We have roads. Um, <laughs> there was a store down the road from my house that was Bo- it's called Bodenham Grocery. Mm-hmm. And it said population 99 more or less because we – we didn't really know how many was out there, but we we knew it wasn't it wasn't that many. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of funny. Um, so I grew up there. Uh, I went to school and uh, high school in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. It's mm-hmm. another small town, but I lived on the uh, on the line of two small towns. So uh, okay, but I lived out in the country. Um, didn't have cable or internet or any of that stuff until um, I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, we had seven channels, so everybody. That's one reason why everybody always gives me uh, crap about my sports teams. It's like, why do you like that team? Well, that was what I was given. <laughs> like that's what the that's what NBC and ABC and CBS gave me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in those small towns, I was raised by my grandparents, um, very humbly. Um, let's see, came up with um, came up playing sports, not music. Music was always around. Always mm-hmm. around. Um, my dad, or my, I always, uh, my, my grandfather, I never met my real father. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my mother, my mother had me at a young age. She was 20, 21. She was in the Navy and um, wasn't capable at the time to, um, to take care of me. So uh, I wound up in the care of my grandparents mm-hmm. and uh, never met my father. So I always called my grandparents, my mom and my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, they raised me. Um, my dad, uh, he always played music with his brothers or 
him and my mama would always go to like these square dances or these, um, I don't know, just uh, small, small gatherings where people would play music and they would dance and they would have a good time on Saturday, Friday and Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. And um, we were always, I was always around it. And then um, I never really played. Um, uh, My dad tried to get me a a guitar whenever I was younger. Um, They bought a set of drums when I was eight. That only lasted about a year. That pissed mom off. Um, uh, let's see. Um, when I was 14, my dad got me a mandolin. So okay. I started playing it. I started playing it. That was whenever I started taking music somewhat serious. But, I mean, I still played sports. I was playing football, baseball, basketball, and then golf whenever I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> music wasn't really – I mean, it wasn't really cool to to play mandolin in high school, and um, mm-hmm. I thought it was cool to play with my family, you know. But it, I didn't, I didn't think it was cool to be like, oh yeah, look at this little mandolin riff that I can play, you know. I didn't think any girls would like that. Yeah. So, um, but they they actually do. Um, just saying, uh, <laughs> FYI, they they just, actually do like that stuff. Just throwing um, that out there. Just throwing it out there. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really take music serious. Pretty much at all. I mean, I played at the family reunion. My dad, my dad would always push me to play and sing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was terrified. Um, I, I mean, you could put me out there in front of a crowd with a, with in a ball game, and I didn't care. But if you put me in front of ten to fifteen people to sing, I would just break out in sweats and just start shaking. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, but my dad wouldn't. We didn't have like I told, like I said before, we humble. Um, humble beginnings. Uh, we didn't have much money, so my dad would hold my allowance, and we worked hard, um, very hard, um, all the time with my dad. Uh, so he held all my money, mm-hmm. and at the end of the at the end of the week, whenever I was 16, 17 years old, uh, he wouldn't let me uh, wouldn't let me have my gas money without singing if we had a family gathering or anything. Oh yeah, yeah. So so that sucked. Um, but that's what kind of started it, I guess. Yeah. And when I was Graduated when I was 18. I went to college to play football. Uh, walked on, didn't, never played. My mom got cancer that summer. Mm-hmm. I had to move home and help out. Um, she beat cancer. She's still here. Good. Whenever she beat it, my dad got sick mm-hmm. and went into the hospital, and he never came back home. Well, he came home, but um, he passed away when I before uh, right after I turned 20. Okay. And uh, sorry so, about that. It, hey man, it's life. It happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you just uh, you kind of get numb to to it after a while. You never get you never get like used to it, um, and it's never easy. But right, you get yeah. you you get you get numb and you go on and and things get get somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. So um, my dad is the one that pushed me to music, and he never saw me play a show because I never really I never picked up the guitar until after he passed. So okay. Uh, when he passed, I picked up the guitar. I started teaching myself off the internet and uh, I really sucked. I wasn't that great. Um, but I, I would play songs that I, that I knew, mm-hmm. you know, songs that I knew every word to. And then I didn't have to worry about what I, what I wanted it to sound like. I knew in my head what it was supposed to sound like. I didn't know if I was playing it like that, but I knew yeah. that that's what I was trying for. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, so I, I started with some songs like that. And I started playing the guitar, and that was it. I just kind of 
played I, instead of playing the mandolin i kind of started playing the guitar with my family we didn't have a whole lot of get-togethers then my mm-hmm. dad was kind of the backbone and um i got a job with home depot um doing outside sales and i had a car wreck so i was on i was on i was working but i had a car wreck mm-hmm. and i hit this um pretty good sized truck i mean it wasn't small i don't know how the hell i missed it or i did <laughs> but uh or I, I didn't miss it. Yeah. Or I could have missed it. Um, yeah. But I'm driving. I'm on an F-150. That's what I was driving at the time. Mm-hmm. And I ha- I don't I don't like Fords to be honest with you. Sorry, Michigan. Uh, I'm I like Tundras. You know. I don't I don't like um, Fords either. So it's all good. Um. Uh. But I tell you what, I, I'm still alive, so I, I I can't I can't complain. Yeah. I hit this um, one ton truck with a crane like a crane on the back. It was an old truck. Mm-hmm. Um, hit this truck like head on at like 35, 40 miles an hour. Mm. And it was all my fault. Like it wasn't like I was just feeling badass that day or I wanted to feel frisky or, or I felt lucky. I just, I mm-hmm. was going down this road and the sun was going down and I was in a curve and I got blinded by the sun and I couldn't see anything. And there was this big drop off to my right. So I knew I couldn't go right. And um, mm-hmm. so I just kind of stayed in the curve and wound up hitting this dude. He uh, he walked away from it. He didn't have much injuries. Uh, they they tried to sue us, but I don't I don't I don't know if that worked out. Mm. Um, I don't know how that worked out. I didn't. Yeah. Home Depot, Home Depot, Home Depot took care of that. But I remember the guy like coming up to my truck and because uh, I asked like, um, when I tell you how it kind of happened, uh, when I hit the truck, I passed out like it, it knocked me out. Mm-hmm. And then it was like I woke up and I was in my truck and I knew that I was in a wreck. So I kind of like flipped out a little bit and I was trying to open up the door and I couldn't. And I saw this lady walking and I tried to get out of the truck and I couldn't. I saw this lady walking and she was like, I was like, man, I can't get on my truck. Can you help me? And she says, baby, I can't. You just got to wait on an ambulance. So I heard the sirens. I just kind of laid my head back. And then they showed up. They got on my dashboard. They started asking me my name and all this. And I was like, oh, I got my wallet in the back pocket. And I was to go to reach for it. And they just kind of put their hands on my chest. And they said, um, you don't need to move. And then I was like, kind of hit me then that I was, I was in some trouble. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because in football, we all they always told us there's like you're either injured or you're hurt. <laughs> now, uh, if you're injured, you know, get off the field. We'll give you some attention. Just yeah. get over here to us. But if you're hurt, you lay there. And I I'd never been hurt in my life. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Um, anything. Any I've been knocked on my ass. I got right back up. Mm-hmm. Um. Never, I never, never, ever been hurt, and um, so I didn't know what it was like. And then it kind of hits you whenever you realize that, oh my god, I'm uh, it's me. And uh, they got me through it. Now, for some reason, I just kept holding on to this like one little piece of paper, like my life depended on it. It had the address of where I was going, mm. and um, they uh, I told them that I couldn't get out of my truck. They said, damn, we're gonna have to uh, cut him out. So I know that they got me out by cutting me out of my truck. I don't remember that part. Um, 
I remember them ter- ter- taking me out of my truck and they telling me it was going to hurt really, really bad. It did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I passed out from the pain and then I woke back up. I heard him said that the chopper was here. So I knew that either Arnold Schwarzenegger was close or, or I was going to be going to the hospital in the chopper. You know what it, I mean? I got you. Oh, yeah. so, uh, yeah, <laughs> you got to put some, you got to put some humor in there, Max. So you yeah. or you go crazy with it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the one thing that I can say about everything I've been through is that if you really think about everything you go through, I mean, it's depressing, man. It's mm-hmm. you don't you don't you don't want to think about that shit. So absolutely, you got to you got to kind of make light of it whenever you can, and and yep. uh, do the best you can with it. So. Um, they took me there, left me to the hospital. I woke up one last time before they did that. And, um, I remember the door shutting. And then the next thing I remember, <clears throat> I was in the hospital. And it's kind of like a TV show where, you know, they're bringing you in. And they're like so many EKGs and da-da-da-da-da. They're like all these like acronyms of mm-hmm. medical terms that they're using. And I'm just lost. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? They got something in my throat. Uh, they're asking me questions, but I can't talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give them yeah, yeah. the best that I can. And I ain't yeah. got nothing. And then um, I don't remember nothing then. I remember waking up, my whole family being in the room. Mm. I remember my mom My mom asking me, she says, do you know that you're in a wreck? And I shook my head, yeah. And they, uh, she asked me, did I know I was in the hospital? And I kind of looked around. I said, yeah. She asked me, did I hurt? I shook my head, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to ask about the guy, you know, if anybody else was hurt. Yeah. And then uh started getting upset, and so they kicked everybody out. And then they put me in a coma, medically induced coma, but they did it, put me in a coma for 28 days. Holy. And then they put me in, they put me in the uh, ICU for over a, I was in ICU for over a month. I think it was 36 or 38 days or something like that. Okay. Um, I was in a wheelchair for four months. I had to learn how to walk and balance and do all kinds of things again. Holy. Um, I had 22 surgeries in 18 months. I was out of work for 20 months. When I went back to work for Home Depot, It was the housing market crash right in the middle of it. <laughs> so I lost my job completely. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was out of work for a minute. Got this job working for uh, the sidekick group. I was their sales and marketing director, covered Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, and Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I was off one day, and my girlfriend came home, and I was playing the guitar and singing like, the computer in front of me like I normally do. Yep. Yep. And she's like, you know, you need to you need to go try out for something. And I was like, really? She said, yeah. So I got online and tried to find out if there was any tryouts and Nashville Star was still going on then and they uh had a tryout that weekend. So I went up to Nashville. I went to tryout mm-hmm. and uh I didn't realize that I showed up on callback day. And I was there on the wrong day. Oh, and yeah. They, I didn't get to try out, so I didn't get to do anything. And that was pretty much my run. 
Yeah. And um, I came up to Nashville. They had open tryouts at Tootsie's, and I hate I hate Tootsie's. But sorry about that. If anybody loves Tootsie's, but I don't, I don't like them. You can edit that out if you want to. But <laughs> no. they um they had tryouts, and I went up there and tried out, and they started calling me for. They started calling me at two o'clock for a, a one o'clock gig, mm. and I lived and I lived an hour away. Yeah, so it was hard for it was hard for me to get the gigs. And I moved up here after the flood in Nashville. Uh, that was the week that I moved, and okay. um, started just playing. I um, had jobs that were that wasn't paying me like they should. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm being saying that I'm over deserving. I'm just saying like they owed me money and they didn't pay me for it. Ooh, yeah. And I know that 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 sounds bad, but it does happen. It happened to me twice. And to be honest with you, with it happening, it, it pushed me to music because I I just said, screw it. You know, I mean, if I'm going to bust my ass and not make any money, I'm going to do it for myself. I'm not going to do it for someone else. Right. And, yep. um, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And I, I played music. That was all I did. And, I mean, I picked up a job in the middle of it. I worked for this one of the guys that didn't pay me picked up working. I ain't going to say the name of the company out of respect, but, Mm-mm. um, but my mom worked for the company and she, she got me the job because they needed a salesperson. So they hired me. Yeah. I sold everything in their warehouse to save that dude's ass. And instead of paying me for it, he fires my mom on lunch break, fires me on lunch break and never pays me a freaking dime. Yeah. Oh. So I, I'm not a very big fan of that guy. I wouldn't be. And, so that was the last job that I had in Nashville um, until after COVID. Um, COVID happened. I mean, before COVID, I was rolling. We were playing like 250 shows a year, 200, 200 250 shows a year. Easy. Holy. Um, downtown, traveling, mm-hmm. um, having songs on the radio, having a push. Then COVID happens. It kind of stops everything. And then um, kind of, you know, I just, it does. It just immediately stopped everything. Yeah. And then um, it takes a while to get back going. And then yeah. now we're back rolling. I'm probably playing, let's see, anywhere from 175 to 200 shows a year. Now. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't play as many. Um, it's not that I'm not as eager. It's just that I'm trying to be more conservative about what I'm playing. Um, okay. I'll play. I'll play a lot of things, but I'll play almost anything. To be honest with you, it's just um, I would rather play private gigs or shows of my own. I'm yeah. trying to play. I'm trying to play less cover shows. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I don't. It's not that I don't like them. I have a lot of fun doing them. Yeah. It's just that I'm trying to concentrate more on my music. Um, I'm probably the only artist downtown that has eight songs on our heart radio that's still playing everybody else's songs, you know? Um, So uh, no offense to that. It's just that I play what the people want and I got to start making them want, I got to start making them want mine. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I just, wow. And, uh, is what I have to say about that backstory, man. Um, Obviously, you have crazy amount of drive, and uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: like 
I love music and it's everything about me right now. Well, uh-huh. I mean, I take, well, <laughs> a lot of things has been added to my plate. Like I take care of my mother now or my, my grandmother, she's 80. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm her care guy. So I'm taking care of her. I'm playing music. I'm working uh, another job, helping out a friend in Gatlinburg whenever they need me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I'm doing that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm steadily trying to, to better myself and put a team around me. I'm, I'm about to hire a social media girl out of New York. Pretty excited about bringing her Megan on. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, I think she's going to be as good at social media helping me. And it's not that I'm not going to be answering or, or doing it. It's that right. wh- whenever I reach out for somebody or whenever I'm building a team, the same way that I've always built sales teams in in the past is that you got to have people that want to be there. You, yeah. you got to have people that have passion yep. and, and be able to see that. And if you can see that passion and you can see some talent there, I mean, that's the same thing that people saw in me that put me on stage. You know what I'm saying? So yep. like if you give them a chance to show like what you're doing right now, you're, you're doing your podcast. Mm-hmm. If, we have a good podcast and it's a hit and you're, you're, you're listens and you're, you're, you're going to spike. You know what I mean? Everything's going to be good for you. Yeah. And I hope that it is. I hope my story is like the best, you know, but like it may be the shittiest. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. I just, um, it's been a journey and no matter what, no matter what happens with music, what is what I was getting at long story short, uh, a lot of words to get to, this uh is that i can win the male vocalist of the year the entertainer of the year which is the only award that i ever want to win by the way yeah um i could win any award but not anything is going to be worth what i accomplished to to get to where i am um i have so much energy i have so much energy on stage i jump around i bounce around i jump on the stage i jump off the stage um throughout my wreck man i'm 30 percent disabled like nobody knows that like, mm. I don't, I mean, I talk about my wreck throughout my show to thank the nurses and the EMTs and the first responders, because the first song that was playing, you can't make this shit up either. The first song that was playing whenever I stood up on my own two feet in the hospital was a great day to be alive. I love the song, but like, it was just like, I remember the song. And mm. every time I play, I mean, every time, like I've got fans because they've heard me tell the story at shows. So every time they're in their car, they take a screenshot of it and they'll send it to me. And I'm just like, heart. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. They listen. Mm hmm. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like, everybody's always like, man, you'd be surprised how much kids, not kids listen. Well, you'd be surprised how much people listen. Like, mm-hmm. when you get older, a lot of people don't want to listen as much as they want to talk. But yeah. they're still hearing you. Oh, yeah. They're still hearing them. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, like, you know, like I was saying, I just, you, uh, you have amazing, amazing entertainment skills. Um, like I said, one of the best on Broadway, easy, easy. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you're pursuing your music, man. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And your own stuff, making your own, um, you know, growing your my dad, brand. My, my dad is the reason that I play music. Yeah. He pushed for it. He, uh, like I said, he made me. He made me sing before he gave me, gave me my allowance. Mm-hmm. 
passed when I was 20. I didn't even play the guitar. And to be honest with you, there's so many people out there. It's like, and I ain't going to say that they're lying, but there ain't no way their whole life they just like, this is what I knew I was going to do. No, possibly didn't. I damn sure didn't. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know until I was in my early 20s that this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. But I can tell you that I always had it in me. And I always wanted music to be around me. I always wanted to, like, if it wasn't going to listen to it or going out to be entertained or going to a concert, like, then whenever I started playing, it was just like, okay, I want to learn how to play this. I want to learn how to play that. And then once I learned how to play it, I was like, okay, now I want to I learn how to write my own. Now I want to mm-hmm. learn how to put this together. Yeah. And then putting a show together, it's like, I don't even have a set list. We've got songs that we like to play in, in order sometimes, like if the night's moving a certain way. But yeah. a lot of times whenever I'm playing cover songs, it's I don't have a set list. It's what do you want to hear? We know so many songs. It's like, what do you want to hear? We'll figure it out. Yeah. We don't know that song. We'll play a song by an artist. But my biggest goal on my live show is, and it's been said before, but I mean it. Um, my dad's the whole reason that I play and never have played mm-hmm. and he never he never got to watch me play show one so i don't know when he's gonna watch maybe he watches all of them but the goal is is they never see a bad one <laughs> and if i you know yeah so yeah just show up every time yeah Get all you got yeah leave it all out there yeah absolutely um so you're working on some new projects right now, working on some new songs, new music. I have like several songs that I'm working to get recorded. Um, my new producer, I had an older producer and friend, uh, Shannon Forrest. Uh, mm-hmm. He was the drummer for Toto and a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bosque. I, he, I couldn't get in touch with him the last time to do my project. So um, I got in touch with... Um, Akil Thompson, and he's the producer and uh, bassist with um, Little Big Town. And oh. so I know th- I know that they're going to have some downtime. But the problem now is is that Akil moved from Nashville to L.A. So I'm either going to have to go out to L.A. or I'm going to have to have him come out here or yeah. something, or I'm going to have to try to find another producer. But I've got I've got a, I've got several several tunes that I would like to record. Okay. Um, and it's it's the process of getting the funds together. Um, yep. The to, um, to do it the way that I want to do it. Um, I, yeah. I don't want to throw it together on and put this stuff out myself. I want it to be done professionally. Um, mm-hmm. I want somebody with that knows what they're doing doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm of the belief that a, a lot of songs are great songs. It's how they're produced and how they're pitched yeah um yeah you know i mean if you if you've got a label behind you with people pitching your song all the time um, a good chance it's going to get cut if you don't have a label out there pitching your song all the time and it's just you pitching it you pitch it 20 times guess what you got it pitched 20 times this person's getting pitched 20 times in a day yeah yeah so i mean like there there's there's pros to being by yourself you Mm -hmm. got creative you got creative freedom and control but yeah, there's limitations to being by yourself as well. Yeah, I, oh yeah, 
Um, unless you can beat that, unless you can beat the algorithm, or unless you're the absolute bit, tip top cream of the crop, you're yeah. not going to get hurt. Yeah, no, I I feel you on that. Um, would you ever consider signing to a label someday? Yeah, I, I'm not against it. I've never yeah. been against it. Um, yeah. I've been courted by a couple of labels, but never signed. Right. I've yeah. had songs on hold. Um, like Luke Bryan had a song of ours on hold one time uh, for like six months, didn't cut it. And that's one of the songs that I'm looking at, at putting out. Um, okay. Um, Gary Allen had a song of mine on hold for almost a year, a long time ago, never did cut it. Mm. Um, it's just like, you get close, but you don't get it. You know what I mean? So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, you just keep writing, you yep. know. And like, like I've got a song that I want to put out that I heard in 2013. Yeah, and it's never been it's never been put out. Like, uh, okay, it, I didn't I didn't I didn't write it. It was pitched to me. It's like, hey man, if this if this person this person doesn't cut it because that's who's got it right now. You want to cut it? And I heard it, and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then. I didn't get to cut the song and I got pissed off about it. And uh, they come back to me. It's like, Hey man, would you really still think about cutting that song? I said, man, it's still one of the best songs I ever heard. And uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to cut that song too. But yeah. I mean, I mean, here we, here we are, we're going into 2023. It's 10 years old. <laughs> it's the first time I heard this song for the first time 10 years ago and it's never been cut. Crazy. So, um, but I mean, that's the thing is what I, is what I'm saying. I think there's so many songs out there that are just unheard, yeah, or not getting heard because they don't have the money behind them, they don't have the push behind them, they don't have the people behind them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I I want to go find those songs. Like yeah. I want people, I, you know, I, I want to write those songs. I want to write new songs. I want to pick up older songs that nobody that people cast that people maybe cast away because oh well this song's so best this song's this song is the best this song you know and you just get mm-hmm. bombarded with um, other people's opinions and people never got to have that opinion for themselves yeah yeah you know, like one of, like one of my friends that writes and plays with Luke Combs uh, Rob Weather uh, Rob Weatherford Rutherford. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's written. He wrote. You know, you got the best of me. He wrote uh, uh, one call away. He wrote Houston. We got a problem. He wrote uh, beautiful crazy. He wrote um, uh, all these all these songs. I played. You know, crazy. I, I, but but things about that is that like you have all these ideas in your head mm-hmm. and you keep them and you write them as much as you can. But like. There was other songs like there was another song you got the uh, I got away with you. That's one of my favorites, and yeah. that's another song that, that that Rob wrote. And that song was on the rise, but got knocked down because he had one song above it on the charts and another song below it that was just going with a bullet that was going above it. So yeah. I mean, like that's also how other really really good songs can get buried. They can get buried by the same artist because they're all you know they're on a they're on a, a cosmic yeah. orbit to the yeah. top. Yeah. Yeah. And then then that's why people are like, oh man, I never heard that song. Well, you should have. The the reason that you didn't is because that album was so damn good that you had six songs on it that was going number one that you couldn't hear all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. So when you when you sit and write, do you normally have like a group, or you try to do it like kind of by yourself? It's it's a 
really good mesh and mix of both. Okay. Um, normally, I mean, we're all sitting around. Like, if you're writing in a group, you're sitting around and you're talking. And then somebody will have – I'll be strumming or you're strumming or somebody will like what you're playing mm. or they'll like something that you said. And, yeah. you know, I mean, most of the time that's how it happens. Or – other times it's like, oh man, well, you got anything that you've been working on that you hadn't thrown out there with somebody yet? And then they'll mm-hmm. maybe throw an idea out there all around the room that way that you're giving one away and not 16 away and everybody can write down what you didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but writing by yourself, it's totally different. I mean, you're doing the same thing, but when you write by yourself, it's you don't have to worry about pitching the idea it's just like if you want to write the song you write the song yeah, yeah and the bad thing about it is is you don't have anybody to keep you on point you know like yeah because you can go you can go down a rabbit hole right and spend two hours writing a verse and you're like i don't even like it yeah don't make sense that don't tie with what what the hell i'm going with then huh. scrap it you know i mean like it's yeah. just um it has its perks each way um also the reason i say it meshes is because whenever you're writing with someone else, it's kind of hard not to think about something else that you've written mm-hmm. that maybe, that maybe didn't go into a song. Like, like I just said, that you spent two hours writing a, a verse that you don't even like, you know, yeah. and yeah, you didn't, you, you didn't use it, but it's still in your notes. So you mm-hmm. just go back and take some of that, you know, or yeah, maybe yeah. take that or maybe take that idea and massage it a little bit with, with whoever you're writing with or by yourself again. Mm-hmm. with fresh eyes and there you go yeah yeah i've always wanted to like that'd be really cool to get into songwriting obviously i probably don't have the talent exactly for songwriting but right now um that would that would always be like a cool aspect of like behind the scenes of you know country music trying to get into some of that and um would love to like sit in on like a write one day and just kind of see like you know the all the aspects of coming up with a song and this and that and just be really cool to sit in on. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. If I can get everything lined up the way that I want to get it lined up, I'll invite you to a writer's retreat. So what that is, is that I'm trying to plan a writer's retreat to where I pick like five to seven, maybe 10, if it can get that much. But mm-hmm. I'm going to start three, five, seven, like not a gun, but just three, five, seven people. Yeah. Um, um and working with them uh on a location when i say on like whether it's sometimes it's a beach i know some people go out to scottsdale arizona or or phoenix arizona or whatever yeah but um but with me um what i want to do is that my, my friends do tiny homes so okay they're they're what they're wanting me to and they have locations set up all over the place. It's called We Casa. Okay. Um, they are um, they're located in Denver, Colorado, right outside of Denver, Colorado, in Lyons. Mm. Um, they're located in um, uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is pretty much Gatlinburg. They have one in Rapid City, South Dakota, and they uh, have it uh, really close to Yellowstone and um, oh wow. Mount, Mount Rushmore. So the plan is, is that they put outside of parks and people go on adventures and yeah, um, 
hang out at these little tiny homes because they're cute. Girls love them. But yeah, now what we're going to do is, is we're going to bring music to those spots. And oh, I'm going to yeah. do ro- little little road shows to where I'm going to go to these locations and play my music and do bonfires and campfires. Yeah. And my thing is, is that I'm going to do it with a, with a small media crew and we're going to start putting that on social media, oh, um, you know, and, awesome. and build up and build up the build it up that way. It's going to be small, small, small. Yeah. But at the same time, it's going to be different groups. It's going to be different states. It's going to be different locations. And hopefully we can build up a small a small following off of that and um, see where it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but basically what I'm, what I'm going to incorporate into that is my writer's retreat is to go there, mm-hmm. right. Find a spot locally that has a, a dive bar or a corner bar. And we play the songs that we wrote that day in that bar for oh, the, for the locals that's or, cool. you know, and then, and then once the party breaks down, We'll go to the fire or maybe we can have a pit fire out, you know, before and then after the party, you know, we, we do that for like an hour or two. We can go to the bar and have a little uh, uh, pass the guitar and, and 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 around to the riders or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm, I'm still in the I'm still in the infant stages of getting it ironed out how I want to do it. Yeah, but. But pretty much that's that's my next stages is like doing house parties and doing uh, fire uh, pit parties like that. Um, yeah. Incorporating right. that I with, gotcha. with writing. Like I'm wanting to do that as a writer's retreat idea. That's um, cool. I've already I've already got three spots apparently that I can build in and go to. Yeah. But um, like the one in Lyons is about an hour outside of Denver. OK. Um, the one in Pigeon Forge is like an hour outside of Knoxville. Mm-hmm. So um, once we get everything set up, I mean, it's not going to be like a weekly thing. I'm, I mean, my, my plan is to do one a month. There's three of them. I could do one. I could do each one of them one time a quarter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's more spots that we're looking at that they're looking at um, building yeah. up and working on. So yeah, that's, a- I feel like that's an end for my music. And yeah. um. And that'd be something cool that I can get riders along with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then other people, the idea of that is other people seeing it on social media and saying like, man, I want that for my area. I want this for mine. And then the next thing you know, I'm staying booked doing that more than I'm staying booked doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. That's definitely the, uh, the way to do it. Um, social media is, it's a blessing and a curse. And, uh, the way I look well, at I'm it. Gonna be, I'm going to be upfront and honest with you and anybody else. I absolutely hate it. I mm. hate social media. I cannot stand it. Yeah. I love it. I love it, but I hate it. I like to watch it. I don't like to do it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. And that that's the, that's the thing is that it's not that I'm a whole Chris Fruiter is anti-social. No, I'm not anti-social. I'm not. It's not yeah. like that. Yeah. It's that it takes a lot to be really good at it. It mm. takes a lot to know what you're doing, and I don't have the time to do all that because I am trying to create in other aspects of my life. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. that that I'm already good at, and I know that I'm supposed to work to be better and be more well-rounded. But good lord, like social media is its own beast. 
Yeah. I really just want to, I really would rather just hand it off to somebody that's better than that. Yeah. Does that mean that I'm not going to be answering and I'm not going to be paying attention? No, I'm going to be on there just as much as anybody else. Yeah. yeah. It's that I'm working with somebody that somebody's like, Hey, I think you should do this. Yeah. Hey, I think you should do that. Or, Hey, do you have a picture of this? Great. We're going to post that picture. Whenever somebody comments, just answer them back. And I mean, answers and stuff like that, that's going to be me. I mean, yeah. more so of like, Hey, are you playing? Or when are you playing? And that might be a copy-paste answer from me or somebody that's on my team. But yeah, yeah. most of the time, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to answer love notes or anything like that in the, you know, in the inbox or DMs. Yeah. But, yeah, but what yeah. I'm saying is, is is that, like, everything is going to still be me. It's just that I'm going to have help doing what, I'm, mm. what I've been doing. Absolutely. Doing, you know? Yep. No, yeah, I, I got you. Um, that's, a, that's a great idea, having someone – you know, do stuff like that because like I'm kind of in the same boat with I I got a life obviously outside of this and finding time to get all this on social media is it's crazy, man. And then coming up with content, trying to figure the out con- the con- the con- the content is the hardest thing because yeah. like I mean because with me it's like and anybody anybody that knows me knows knows, knows that I am like the most opposite like I'm I'm fun off stage like I'm fun and goofy and stuff like that yeah but i'm way 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 more reserved than anybody ever would think and it's yeah. like it's like it's like man chris is kind of like is everything okay like i'm just it's like and my best way to describe that is is that like i'm recharging man like mm-hmm. like this is me rebooting for whenever it's time for me to be me you know like i am me like when i'm sitting on the couch and i'm 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 on my phone I might be looking at a score. I might be answering somebody back on social. I might be writing a friggin' song or texting someone back from work or a family member. Mm. It's not always just not, I mean, like I'm always doing something, you know what I mean? Like, right. um, and, or trying to, you know, or trying to be better at something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And then, but that, that to its extent, there's also a line that you have to draw for yourself. That's like, okay, I got to have personal time for people in my life too, yeah. because the people I, I can tell you right off the rip, people in your life get, they, they're very, very supportive, mm-hmm. but they also need their time with you too. And yeah, even if you're on the smallest of the smallest scale, like I am, you, you, you really need to give the people in your life their time too. Yeah. So, yeah. And, it, and that's hard because you're trying to build something so big. You're trying to build something so fast. You're trying to build something that nobody else is building and, and if you're not doing it, nobody else is doing it because it's your own motor. Like with my, with, it's my music, it's my name, like mm-hmm. your podcast, it's your everything. You know, I, I get, I get it. But what I will always say is that there are times in the week that you do have to take time for you and, and, and yours. You know oh, what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. So they, you have to, you have to recharge yourself. Everyone has to. Yeah. Yep. And if the people are sitting honest, this is my assessment of it too. If the people are sitting there honest saying that you don't need to read, you don't need this, you don't need that. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't care what you do. That just makes, like, honestly, what you're just telling me just makes me makes makes me know that my assessment of you is is correct. You're empty. You don't yeah. have anything else. Yeah. Like you, you're you're completely empty because you cannot recharge to be able to give back. Yeah. And. To me, that's what it takes. And it's not, it, it, it's giving back, like mm-hmm. in every aspect. Like, all right, I've been given talent. I got to give that talent. I got to give that talent. I got to give that talent back. I got to show it. I got to, I got to show people that I appreciate it. I got to showcase that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if if you're given a talent, no matter what that talent is, music, work, uh, uh, philanthropy, whatever it is that your talent is that you that you can actually provide, mm-hmm. that's your that's your stuff. Yeah. You know, that's what you did. That's what you do. Yeah. And and the people that the people that don't share it are the selfish ones. The people that do keep it in are the ones that are the ones that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I agree, man. If you if you got a talent like you, um, you gotta share it with the world and uh make the world a better place, man. So we'll uh we'll jump kind of back into maybe some uh like Broadway. Like when you're playing downtown, what is like kind of your favorite places to play? Or even midtown or anything? Mm, well, uh, I played. I've played a lot of different places down there. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite place to play is, is Legends. Okay. Um, I don't really care what new bar moves in, how mm-hmm. awesome that it is, or what they have, what bell or whistle. It's um, Legends is uh, by far my favorite place to play. Yeah. It's home. It's home. Mm-hmm. It's home. Um. Always enjoyed playing the stage. I've always enjoyed playing second fiddle. Yeah, I've enjoyed playing for the Sanderson family very much. So uh, they own all the bars that I play at. Okay, um, at the ones that I just listed. Yeah, um, I I did enjoy playing at uh, Whiskey Row when I played there for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy playing at uh, Crossroads before they closed down, which was also a Sanderson bar. Um, okay those are those were the ones that i enjoyed playing the most yeah um i also enjoyed playing losers in midtown okay uh, i used to have that gig on a sunday night for a while um it's fun yeah hardly anybody comes in there but it's just the people like that's the thing that i'll say is that even if the crowds aren't great yeah as long as the people are good it's yep. worth it yeah you know that's- you don't mind you don't you don't really mind being there yeah, and um, like I don't care if it's for one person as long as they're a good person. Yeah, absolutely, well, absolutely. I, I, if I'm booked to be there for a certain amount of time, I fully, knowingly, and willingly accepted that gig and showed up and yeah. expected to play that full amount of time. Yeah, just because nobody's there doesn't mean that I I think that I should go home. I mean, if they send me home, okay, I'll go home. Yeah, but. If there's one person there and that dude's cool, yeah. What you need, buddy? You know what you want, buddy? Who's your favorites? Yeah. Where are you from? I mean, I'm gonna get to know that dude. Like, man, we we gonna be friends before he leaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he, if, he stay, if he stays there long enough, we're gonna be friends. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's all about to me, or in a room full of people, man. That one person that's just, and I've had that happen too. Yeah. One person that's just having a horrible day or month or year something just tragic happened to them yeah and and they come to you crying and they're like you don't know what you just did for me and i'm like no i don't but i hope it was good yeah and then they start telling their story and you're like well i had no idea but thank you yeah i'm glad i could be here you know i mean like you never know and it i'm not saying that happens every night or anything but i mean it's definitely happened quite a few times and I've been playing long enough now to where it's nothing really surprises surprises me on a on the on the weird and goofy end, but yeah, nothing really nothing really surprises me on the heart touching end either, man. Like yeah, music is music is a healer. 
music is a yeah it can be a healer it can be it can open wounds it can close them it can absolutely it does a lot it does a lot to you yeah that that is uh 100 the truth man um it's a uh it, for me it's kind of like a sense of therapy and uh you know just to get away from life and everything that's going on and sit down and listen to uh some joe diffie or something like that you know what i mean and uh my first concert in my life was george jones i went with my grandparents in 92. oh goodness um um it was his 65th birthday he had it in Ardmore, alabama at Vern gosden's spot it Vern gosden on the on this uh hillside and some land down there mm -hmm. and he opened it up for concerts and uh my mom had seen Conway Twitty and Restless Heart and uh, Little Texas and all kinds of people had come down there. Mm -hmm. And my dad didn't go. Mark Colley, a lot of other people. But uh, this time we went because it was George Jones. Mm -hmm. And I had I got this shirt called Rock, it said Rockin' with the Possum. I had George Jones on it, <laughs> and I had a possum in a in a in a, in a rocking chair. Yeah, and uh, I had all the dates and stuff on the back. And I remember it. Um, I'm holding my dad's hand. Well, not really his hand. My dad had a big hand. I got a pretty good size hand myself, but yeah, um, he had a huge hand, and uh, he would hold. I, I couldn't even hold his hand, so I'd hold, I'd hold his thumb. Uh huh. And I hold his thumb, and he he like you know. And uh, the first band that played was Confederate Railroad, and wow. the first song that they played was their very first number one hit, um, a song called "Daddy Never Was a Cadillac Kind." Uh huh. It's a it's a great song. It's a, if you've never heard it, go listen to it. Okay. Um, the because the story is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Gibson. And Bernie wrote the song. Um, I didn't know nothing about that. But anyway, I'm sitting there holding my dad's thumb. Daddy never was the Cadillac kind. It's the first song I'm hearing at a concert. I'm holding my dad's thumb. I remember that. I thought it was really cool. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, you know, 20 plus years, 25 years. And my best friend that I met and told me to come to Nashville in Battle Creek, Michigan, um, Edward Robinson, he played with uh, Frankie Ballard. And um, Frankie had his first number one hit, Hell of a Life. With Hell of a Life, he had his first number one hit. Okay. And it was they had the number one party at, um, at this bar. I got mm -hmm. invited to go to the number one party. Mm -hmm. But I was also doing a writer's round that night at um, – it was a Tuesday night, so it was at the Revival. It was at um, – um, Kenrick Revival. Okay. And uh, I'm doing the round with the guy that I write a lot of songs with, CJ Field, big fan of. Um, um, me and him were supposed to have it, but we couldn't – nobody wanted to write – nobody wanted to come with us, so it was just going to be us two. Yeah. And I was talking to Rob. Rob Snyder was the guy that hosted it. Rob wrote – you got the – was also a writer on You Got the Best of Me by um, – um, Luke Combs. Uh, Luke Combs. Yeah. yeah. So that was his first number one hit. So everybody writes and everybody plays, you know. So Rob was that. Yeah. And Rob understood that being invited to a number one party is kind of cool. And I need to make connections. He's like, you hang out down there 
and will come here as soon as you finish. Just let me know. And I yeah. was like, okay. So I hung out down there for a while, left that party, jetted over to back over to the revival, caught up with CJ and them. And uh, Rob comes up. He goes, hey, man, we're going to let uh, Uncle Bernie's going to send him with y'all if y'all don't mind. And I said, dude, I don't know who Uncle Bernie is, but sure, whatever. I'm down. He yeah. goes, okay. So this dude with a, a longer mullet, not a long mullet, but like a short mullet, curly haired, got glasses, cowboy hat, mm-hmm. jacked. I mean, just muscle jack. Yeah. And um, I said, hi, man, are you Bernie? He goes, yep, I'm Bernie. He reached out, shook my hand. And he said, nice to meet you. I said, nice to meet you. I said, you want to go first, second, or last? He goes, I'll go, I'll go last if that's okay. I go, okay. So I'm in the middle. I look at CJ. I said, you go first. I go second. He goes third. He goes, okay. So CJ plays a, a song that um, – with CJ, by the way, he he's he's he wrote he writes with Ashley McBride and has a couple of cuts on her albums and stuff. Okay, so he's a good he's a good writer. Yeah, he he he, he plays a, a couple of songs. He plays a song. I think he plays a song that he and I wrote, and then I play a song that he and I wrote, and then Bernie plays "Daddy Never Was the Cadillac Kind" because he wrote that song, and that's oh. the I, I I fell out my chair, bro, and um. His 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 niece or something was videoing it, and they still have it. And they to this day, like like. I'm, so we finished the night, and uh, he comes up to me. He goes, "Hey man, uh, I really liked your songs." He says, "I'd like to like to write with you sometime." And I was like, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah." And uh, I go, "When?" He goes, "Well, I just got off the road. This was like February or March." He goes, "April first would be a good day for me." And I'm sitting there, okay. And then I started thinking. I was like, "This dude's just he's just." April first, he's like April Fools. He's just he's messing with me because he, yeah, he, he wasn't. So, yeah, uh, we're still friends this day. It is Bernie Nelson. Wow. And um, the first day that we met, we wrote we wrote uh, right back in the memory. It's okay. on my it's on my it's on my iTunes and Spotify and all that. But okay, we wrote that song we wrote that song together the first day that we met. So or the first day that we wrote. Wow. And. But Bernie's a really cool dude. He moved to Texas. He's playing a lot of music down there. But that's how I mean, that just goes to show you how music can go full circle. You know what I mean? Like, a- absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, I hope somebody has a story like that for me one day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you got how many songs do you have out right now? Did you say you say eight? That we said? I think I got like eight, eight or nine out. Okay. I can't tell you how many. Can't tell okay. you how many I've written. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I've only had, I've only had enough money to put about nine out. So I got you. Um, trying to trying to get up some more. Um, yeah. I've got a song called Hide that I really love. I got a song called Sleep on the Couch. I really am in love with. I got a song called um, Hundred Miles an Hour. I just put out. Uh, Are you up? I wrote that song with uh, Matt Roy. Okay. Um, he's 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 a singer songwriter that has got some cuts as well. Mm-hmm. I wrote, uh, she's heard it all before with uh, Matt Alderman, who has, I think, three or four number one hits uh, now. Mostly mm-hmm. other, they're mostly newer newer songs. I can't even remember all the songs that Matt's written. I can look them up real quick. But Okay. Um, but I've got, like a, like I said, I've got like six or seven songs that I really am in love with that, that I'm, I'm debating on um, on whether to put out a, a, a small EP again okay. or yeah. to... Um, or to just do singles all over. Yeah, I gotcha. He wrote My Girl. And he wrote Nobody. Okay. He's recorded. He's wrote a lot of a lot of other songs too. Matt Sells, Good Company. He's um, a good drinking buddy too. 
<laughs> gotcha. Awesome. Yeah, you got some uh great music. Obviously, I listened to you um uh, once I um saw you in, in Nashville and um you know whiskey weather and, and kissing hundred miles an hour. That's I, my favorite. I'm still 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 to this day, whiskey weather's probably still my favorite song. Yeah, it's um, a, that's a good that's a great song. Um you know, I listen to all those. You got some good numbers on there. I don't know, you know, the rest of your, um, you know, like Apple Music and Amazon and all that stuff, other stuff. But oh, good... I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a. That's the thing is that uh, any other job I've ever had, I've been top salesperson, top this, top that. And, yeah. Um, music's a totally different beast, man. Like, mm-hmm. um, like you can have a decent product or a good product, and it's just mm-hmm. hard to get it out there. I mean, there's. It really is. I got friends in the industry, and it's still hard. Mm-hmm. They'll get my songs heard. They'll get my songs on hold, but yeah, I can't get paid. I can't get paid from it yet. Yeah, I gotcha. So, if you had to pick, like what we normally do on every episode, is like pick like one of your favorite or maybe two favorite artists from like a you know like an older generation, and then maybe uh, artists from this generation. I know it's always hard to like pick one that you absolutely listen to and, you know, but what would be I mean, probably your favorite? I mean, from... if I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put it like this. Mm-hmm. Put it like this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it socially, uh, politically correct. I'm going to give you three and okay. I'm going to give you my favorite. Okay. I'm going to give you three that I listen to that I love and I'm going to give you my favorite of the three. Okay. Okay. Yep. Old school. Yep. Old school. Merle Haggard. Wayne Jennings, George Jones. That was a hard one because it was between George Jones and Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, that was that was very hard. Yeah, uh, and I love me some Johnny Cash. Yeah, but I really love George Jones. Yeah. Um. Now, since I did three, I'm gonna have to make a third suggestion. It's gonna have to be a middle tier. It's gonna have to be middle tiers for like middle tier is gonna be like eighties, nineties. Yeah. Eighties, nineties. Yeah, okay. Um George Strait, Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson. Oh yeah. Now, the hard part is is leaving Brooks and Dunn out because I'm a huge Brooks and Dunn fan. But yeah. Yeah. That would that 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 one's it. Um uh two thousands and better. Yeah. Um, Two thousands is you know old enough to buy to buy a drink, but barely. Yeah. Um, Keith Urban, hands down for the last twenty years. Mm. Kenny Chesney, he's been around in the nineties, but he had the majority of his stuff going down in the two thousands. He's been a he's been a. And then Eric Church, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my favorite generation, mm-hmm. or decade or whatever. Um. Old school is always Merle Haggard. Merle did everything himself. Mm-hmm. He did it with everybody laughing in his face. He did it while he was a fugitive. When he wasn't really a fugitive, he was just in trouble. Yeah. Um, but Merle Haggard, he was my dad's favorite. So mm-hmm. he's my favorite. And it's not just because of that. but Yeah, yeah. Um, 90s, Garth Brooks. Okay. And it was just because the way that he performed. Like, oh yeah, I take a lot of what I do, a lot of my energy I get from videos that I watched 
VHS videos that I watched on Garth Brooks when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, how energetic that he was and how he was the first country guy to go flying across the stage with wires and shit. <laughs> and like, I, I, like he, did, he changed the game. Like being a kid raised up in the nineties. Yeah. Was really friggin' awesome because you got to see so many cool things. Like you got to see Michael Jordan. You got to see Larry Bird. You got to see uh, Joe yeah. Montana and all the greatest athletes ever. Yeah. But you also got to see the changing of the guards because of the way music was and the way that concerts and pyrotechnics changed. It. Like it was just like everything was so cool back then and it was so new and it was so fresh and it was, yeah. it was just awesome. But the way that Garth did it in the nineties, he like made it a rock show. Yes. I mean, he made, he, he was the first country music rock star that, yeah. yeah. That ever, and then from that point forward, that was the standard as far as the type of show that you gave. Then it was PR people and and, and all right, well now this is now this is how you do the show. Yeah. So now we now we have to dress you this way. We have to give you the image. Yeah. You know, I mean yeah, like yeah. so then it was then it then it was that. But like the show and it's not changed. Like the only things that's changed is like the way that the show is given. But that type of show, Garth Brooks still he changed the game. And, Absolutely. And, and I'll say this about sports, music, politics, anything in life, really. When you have someone or something that completely changes the game, mm -hmm. if you don't know everything about that or you don't appreciate or respect what that what just happened, you're you're not going to go far in that industry. Yeah. Because you have to be able to see that and you have to be able to contour that to whatever it is that you're doing. Absolutely. And it's not just that. I'm saying everything that encompasses yeah. it. Like, all right, well, they were the first ones to do it. You can't do it just like them. You have to take their ideas and the whole grand scheme in a nutshell. Yeah. But then you start having to take it. It's like, all right, well, now what does the shows look like? Who's the best and who's the greatest? Yeah. Like, I've gotten to see being – I've gotten to see Hunter Hayes for hours. Nobody knew it except for me, him, and a couple of the guys that was in there work on his show countlessly for hours, just dialing in like a certain light when he wants this and this and that to go. Yeah. You know, I mean, like so, not many artists do that. There's some artists that do it themselves, but there's not many that do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's completely, it's completely transformed. And I, and I, I think that Garth Brooks was one of the, was one of the leaders and one of the of pioneers of, of the way that country shows was done like that. Yeah. So it's hard for me not to, not to say that. Yeah. Um, new age people, Eric Church, yeah, percent, yeah, um, came up the same way, pretty much. Um, the home bar was the same home bar, knew all the home same people, mm -hmm. and then they tore that bar down. <laughs> and he he's the he's the biggest one to ever come out of Philadelphia Steel, and um, him and Rascal Flats and a couple other ones, yeah. Uh, but it's those are the two biggest, yeah. I remember watching Eric Church play at the Fiddle and Steel. It holds maybe 120, 130 people. Yeah. I bet they had I bet they had 400 people in that bathroom. Wow. Every one of them singing him song, singing his songs louder than he could sing them. Yeah. The band yeah. the band just started playing the song and the band and the crowd would just play it. <laughs> and it was the it was whenever the Sinners Like Me album came out. It was the last big hurrah that mm. 
Fiddle and Steel had. Uh, my buddy Rick Tiger. He he's not around anymore. He passed away. Mm. He called me and said, uh, he's from Louisiana and he always had like a he's a good songwriter and a good friend. But he always had this real calm, laid back, the mean boy. He, he called me and be like, Now Chris, um, Eric, he's gonna be playing tonight. Like you gonna come up here, buddy. I was, I advise you to get here a couple of hours early. You know what I mean? And he says, I don't, I wouldn't bring too many people with you. He's from Louisiana. So he, had, that accent was always trying to fight through. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, but, uh, yeah, buddy, come on up here and I got you. I got you. I got you. And then I'd get there and he'd take care of me. And, awesome. uh, and then he, he he did some lift driving and he would send people my way and he said and some people come up and say Rick told me to come see you I was like Rick Tiger I love Rick Tiger man. <laughs> yeah man um yeah Garth Brooks was just revolutionary and uh, that was easily one of the best shows I've ever seen I seen him at the Opry um and uh, it was the five thousandth show at the Grand Old Opry and um. You know, like Chris Young, Chris Jansen, um, who else is there? I'm trying to think, like all you know, like some of them, opera legends. You know, like Jeannie Seeley and um, some other ones. There was a, uh, and then Trisha was there, and Garth played. They were the very last. I'm really, two. I'm really proud of Ashley becoming a member. Oh um, my goodness, that was that was one of the coolest things. I watched it. On, uh... I was there for I was I was at her first show there. Oh really? And, um, oh, oh yeah, me and C, me and CJ was there. And she uh, w- there. when she uh, when she was she crying and she said she went to her knees went, and kissed. No, up. not that one. Oh, not okay. That one. Okay. She was up. She was she was right there. Yeah. But she when she was playing "Girl Going Nowhere," and uh, oh yeah, she couldn't she couldn't finish it. Yeah, that was the, and that's big because that girl can finish anything she wants. Yeah, absolutely. I'm known Ashley. I live down the street, not too far from uh, where I first met Ashley years and years ago. Mm. Um, I met Ashley at the uh, Rusty Nail whenever we were doing the, the music Music City Freak Show, mm. and it was before they even had the Music City Freak Show. It was it was it wasn't even a Music Row Freak Show or the Music City Freak Show or it's the it's the Music Row Freak Show is what it is. Okay, um, but um. Terry Joe Box puts it on and she writes a lot of songs with uh, Miranda Lambert and Pistolanis and um and Ashley. And mm-hmm. um so yeah. Also got a song called Nothing that I really want to record that I wrote with Randall Clay, who's a big writer on a lot of Ashley stuff. Was he's a, he's not with us no more either. Oh, okay. A hundred miles an hour, Randall was a writer on that. We wrote hundred miles an hour and nothing in the same day. Mm. It was a good day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At, yeah. That was, I watched the, uh, I watched it on YouTube, obviously. And it was when she got inducted. And that was, that was amazing. She's, she is. She's, she's amazing. She's really yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've been really big. I, uh, my, uh, my fiance is always on me that I always bring up Hardy, um, on my podcast, but I'm, I'm big into Hardy right now. Um, just kind of love what he's doing with the uh, kind of changing over to the rock, making his own 
you know, stepping out the boundaries of country music, doing some other stuff. And then obviously back in the day was my favorite was Joe Diffie. Um, most, I mean, it was this honky tonk attitude. It was like one of the best albums I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I just, that's kind of the ones that I've been listening to. Um, and are you, are you on all platforms, Spotify, Apple music, Amazon music, everything like that right now? I am. Um, I try to be uh, on anything that I can. I'm on okay. Spotify. I'm on Apple Music. Yeah. I'm on. Um, I'm on Pandora. My my song "100 Miles an Hour" made Pandora. I I was never on Pandora before. That was okay. the first time. Yeah. Um, I um, I'm on YouTube for sure. So if there's if there's anything that I have out, it should be available on YouTube too. Okay. Um, I used to be on um, Amazon Music. I don't know if I'm on Amazon anymore i used to be okay nashville's never getting rid of me ever i'm from here bro yeah yeah like i have a built-in support system called home yeah (laughs) um this is home it's not i'm not one of these people that move here and say oh i live i'm from here no you're not from here where do you where'd you go to high school well i went to high school in wisconsin i went to high school in texas i went to high school and no that's where you're from yeah I went to high school in Middle Tennessee. I yeah. grew up 60 miles south here. I went to Opryland as a family vacation because we were too poor to go anywhere. And all Opryland was was an amusement park, bro. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, this is my home. Yeah. If I fall flat on my face, I will be back next week. Yeah. Smiling. So, this life ain't for everybody, but I promise you it's for me. Yeah. Um. I understand it and I don't mind it. As a matter of fact, I relish it. Every time that anything is not worked out, somehow, some way, it's worked out. There's yeah. a saying going around in my band, and I actually hate it, to be honest with you. But uh, they're like, what was it? I can show it in text message. One of my fiddle players, she's, she's the one that said it. She goes, Chris Schrader always lands on his feet. <laughs> and uh she said it one night in the back in the back room when we were counting counting our tips yeah and, and it was like uh it was because uh, i didn't have a bass player and mm-hmm. uh i didn't realize i didn't have a bass player my bass player john nixon was out they were doing they were opening up for nelly on some kind of tour okay and he wasn't he wasn't there and i didn't know that he wasn't there and i freaking panicked and Corey, my drummer, he goes, do I need to go walk the streets? Walking the streets means that you're walking the streets looking for anybody that's sitting there with an instrument that plays it yeah. or or looking for somebody in shift change that plays and asking them, hey, can you play right now? Uh, I said, yeah, go walk the streets, bro. So he goes and starts walking the streets. I see a dude that is uh, walking down the steps at second fiddle with a face on his back. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting up doing sound check. And I said, hold on a minute. And I jump off stage and go grab this dude by the guitar. I said, hey, man, uh, are you playing anywhere right now? And he goes, nah, I just finished. I go, are you any good? And he goes, uh, I guess. I said, come on, you're playing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he goes, what? And I go, yeah, I need you right now. I was like, uh, can you play? He goes, uh, I guess. So he gets on stage and he's got his little iPad or whatever. Yeah. And he played and we, we killed it. Yeah. We had, I mean, we got a band that can get just about anybody through it as long as they know their stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. she was just like, 
Chris Schrader always lands on his feet. And then something happened the other night where I didn't have a fiddle player because she didn't tell me she was out. Same one that said I always land on my feet. She's in South Carolina, New Year's Eve, busiest night of the friggin' year, don't have no fiddle player. Yeah. And uh, wind up doing – I mean, we just played four-piece. But it was just – it's always something. You know, you've always got to overcome something. And that's – when things go smooth, it's like, what's wrong? You know? Yeah. Like, why why am I not having to jump through three three friggin' rings of fire and, and do a cartwheel backwards to show up to my gig just on time? Like, 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 like yeah. why – like, yeah. why is this going too smooth? It's like eerily off. <laughs> if things are if 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 things are normal, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but honestly, man, I love it. Um, I wouldn't really trade it for the world. Um, yeah, I wish the like everything, like anybody else, and anybody and anything else that they do. I wish the money was better, but at the same time, um, I really, too, truly, truly make up for what I'm not paid. Enjoy. Yeah. Um. I I I, I love I, and I'm. I would bet anything, anybody, anything that they'd be hard pressed to find somebody that loves what they do more than I do. Um, yeah. When I'm on stage, it's, I knew, I know I'm right where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've known it for a long time. Yeah. Um, it's. Yeah. And you can, you it, can, def- you can definitely see that, man. Um, for sure. Like, like I said earlier and multiple times, you're easily one of the best entertainers. You just, and you can tell it, you, you love this. This is what you're meant to do. And uh, um, I just want to have like Max, the reason that I, I, another reason besides the fact that it's like, I don't know what show my dad's going to see if he's ever going to see any of them or. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even about, it's not even just that too. It's about the people, you know, like, like you come from the UP, like, yeah, you've never seen me play. I'll be damned if it's going to be a bad one. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like that's the way I've always, I've done it. And yeah. the other the other flip side to that is is that a lot of people don't realize goes underappreciated more so than 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 not is that I was 20 whenever I started playing guitar. I was 24 whenever I moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um 24 like I had already been working for 6 years in sales. Yeah. And what I'm saying at that is, is that I had a day job. I had a grind just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I went on vacation to watch people just like I watched me, like, yeah. like y'all watch me. Yeah. Um, I went on a business trip to Nashville for, for my company, for a convention. When I first started playing music and I went and I saw this fiddle player, girl fiddle player, her name is Kari Nelson. I was at Tootsie's that night because that's where everybody wanted me to meet them. Mm-hmm. And I remember these people because now they play with me. Like they, they actually play shows with me, yeah. but I did not, I did not know who these people were at all. That was the first time I ever seen them in life. Yeah. And, um, but I remembered them. I was, I was like, all right, that's a fiddle player. I need one of those. I got to have me one of those. And then I introduced myself as hi, hi, I'm Chris. She says, hi, I'm Corey. I said, cool. I said, I'm going to need your number. And she just laughed. And she, I said, I don't need it like that. I said, I play music and I'm going to need it. For she said, okay, give me it. She eventually started playing with me later. Yeah. Um, Eddie Robinson, my best friend, never knew him before. He gets up. He's sitting there watching because Frankie's out on a road tour uh, doing radios. Mm-hmm. Gets up and sets in for the guy that's playing guitar, playing uh, that needs to go take a piss. 
Eddie's playing it better than him. I've never seen anybody get up on stage and be, and be better than somebody that was already playing. Yeah. And I took note to that. Two weeks later, two weeks later, bro, uh, I'm on Craigslist because that's where back in the day, that's where people went to yeah. uh, meet musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had just got burned. Only time I ever got burned by a musician that lied about what how good that they were or if they could even play. And I started first time I ever got burned. From that point forward, I started asking for video. It was the first time I ever asked for video. Yeah, yeah. The first video response that I get, it's Eddie. Eddie is the first video response. And I'm like, dude, that is the same dude that I just saw. And I I get on and I said, Hey man, were you just at Tootsie's like sitting in like a week and a half ago? And he goes, I don't know, probably. And I go, no, it was definitely you. <laughs> and um, so he gives me his number. We start calling, talking. And uh, he goes, you know, eventually, because I didn't have no band. I'm, I was always piecing shit together. Yeah. And he was like, uh, do you have a band? And I said, no. He goes, you want me to bring you one? And I was like, wait a minute, you can do that? And he was like, yeah. And I went from having no band to having Eddie. And then Eddie brought me Victor and Keo, which I told you about Keo earlier, mm -hmm. which at that particular point, Keo and Victor both played with Richard Marks and Leanne Rhymes. So they had played together. Victor just got the gig with Randy Hauser at that particular point. And Keo, he was subbing for everybody mm -hmm. and wound up, went from having no band to having that band. And then six months later, they're my some of my best friends and Keo's my roommate. I mean, like, that was yeah. just weird how shit works out, you know? Yeah, that's oh well, freaking Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> Craigslist. Um, yeah, man. Other than that, I think that's, I think that's probably all I got for you. Um, what an amazing story, man. Um, I'm glad you shared it with me, and uh, I'm glad you're able to come on here. Um, thank you for everything, and um. Glad to uh glad that I found you down there uh playing because um it's like nothing that I've ever seen and uh obviously I love going to the second fiddle, it's my favorite place. Um down it's one of my favorites too. It's one of my favorites too. Yeah. Um second fiddle's the second fiddle is the first stage in Nashville that I ever seen on. And okay. I did it I did it on a business trip whenever I was super drunk. Um yeah. I was out with clients and they they knew that I'd sing. Yeah. So they were like, get up there. And I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> and um, Martin McDaniel, my, Martin's a good friend of mine. Me and Martin, were, we used to be workout partners. Um, uh, great, great artist. If y'all you need to check him out, Martin McDaniel music. Okay. Um, Martin was playing down there and I gave him 20 bucks. And it was like, they want me to sing. He's like, what do you want to sing? And I was like, now I know, now that I know Martin, it's funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, I said, I don't know. And he's like, he's like, well, we was just about to do Dinosaur. I was like, all right, I sing it. So I sang Dinosaur by Hank Williams Jr. And that was <laughs> yeah. the first song I ever sang. I was so freaking drunk. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, that, that's that's what happens. And yeah, now I do it for a living. And, yeah. In all honesty. Uh, Martin, I was just talking about Martin. Um, mm. Martin and I, uh, we developed that rap that I do where I mix up all the, the 90s music. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Where I go. So when we started that, we were at Legends Corner. We both got asked to fill the gig. 
and we were both playing at different bars afterwards. Martin mm-hmm. was going to the stage, and I was going to Crossroads. And it was a six o'clock on a on a Friday, a uh, Saturday night, and um, we played it. And all the way that it happened was is that we were just playing it. We just kept going back and forth, back and forth. Martin was like, "I got this one, I got that one," and then I was like, "I got this and I got that." And I promise you, Max, being downtown mm-hmm. as much as we were, nobody ever did that. No one. Yeah. And um, so Martin went to the stage. I went to the crossroads, and you know, some people went with him, some people went with me. And then they asked me for that again. And I was like, I don't know what I did. I just, I just know that I did a lot of songs that sounded the same. They was like, well, can you do that again? And I was like, yes, I tried it. But then on the way home, I was like, I can fix this. You know, I can, I can do it like chronological years. I can go 91, 92, 90, all the way through the nineties. Yeah. People are going to eat that up. And and then I did that. So yeah, I started doing that. And for years, that was my thing. Like everybody knew that that was my thing. And now, man, no joke. Like every time I'm walking down the street to go to my gig, there's one or two people playing it. And if I turn and I'm walking down, like there's, there's somebody always doing it. And if yeah. they're not doing it on that song, they're trying to do it on another song so they can stay fresh. Dude, I did it on six different songs. Like it's still the concept that you're still robbing from somebody. Yeah, and That, honest, it used to piss me off so bad. Yeah. It used to piss me off so bad, but now it makes me happy because, like, I'm like, well, they like my swag so much they stole it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. And that's the biggest flattery yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, that you can get. It's like going to the streets. It's like, all right, man, I really like the way you dress. Let me go get those same shoes. You yeah. Know, like, I, yeah. I, I, I like that hat. I'm going to go cop that. But I'm going to wear it whenever I know I ain't around you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. So that's the way I take things now. And I think that's just growing up. I should, I wish, honestly, I would have taken things like that as compliments at a younger age and uh, not let things get to me. I know I probably would have been better off as a person, but um, the fact that you never get too old, you never get too old to change. You never get too old to adapt and you never get too old to learn. Um, You learn shit every day. And if you're not learning something, if you're not learning something every day, man, you better be learning two things tomorrow to make up for the one thing that you didn't learn today. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's how, that's how we become better people, my dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for um, your time. Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much for everything. And uh, it was awesome talking to you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll uh, we'll see you all on the next episode.